You know, we have 90% of our kids are in some form of government schooling. Mm -hmm. If we give up on those children and we don't fix this system, we're gonna lose our country. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and joining me as usual is my husband, Mark Archer. I'm here as usual. He's here as usual. Okay. So if you're just joining us, together we started a Christ-centered filmmaking ministry creating documentary films on issues eroding our society and culture with the mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved and take a stand for biblical principles and values. And this show is just another element of Fearless Features, our filmmaking ministry. Mm -hmm. So we bring you guys inside so you can join the journey um, because these films take a while. (laughs) (laughs) Say it ain't so. (laughs) This is a process. These things in this instant gratification world... Movies do not happen overnight. Mm, no, they don't. No, they don't. They require uh, quite a bit of uh, work, quite a bit of travel. <laughs> yes, especially this one. Yes. So we are finishing up with Diane Douglas, former superintendent of public instruction of Arizona, um, sharing her part four. And because we went to Arizona to interview Diane for our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters. Can you tell everybody what The Mind Polluters is about? The Mind Polluters is about the sexualization of our culture and our children, especially through the education system. Mm -hmm. And we thought it was just about comprehensive sexuality education and social emotional learning. And the more we dug, the more we found that it goes everywhere and goes deep into history. And that's what we're working on right now. Right. And. I know so many of us look around and say, what is happening in America? What, what is going on? And when we stopped and asked that question, we really had to say, what are all of these, what are, what are all these new young generations being taught? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was appalled as a mother of three. uh, I can tell you, I will never send my children to public education for any reason. Never, ever. (laughs) And not to say that because, you know, I grew up in the public education system. I graduated through public education. You, on the other hand, and here's where we have different backgrounds and perspectives. Mm -hmm. You went to a private school. I went to a Christian school, pre-K through 12. But public education today is not what it was even when you were in school Mm -mm. or when I was in school. It is not the same. It, It was, yes, it was humanistic then. But now it is so politicized and agenda driven. It's beyond measure. It has become abusive, Mm -hmm. absolutely abusive. We've gone. We talked about this on the last podcast. We've gone from sex ed being being biology class Mm -hmm. to now it's sexual instruction. Mm -hmm. It is when we talk about sexualizing our children. This is what we're what we mean is. Exposing them to pornography, Mm -hmm. exposing them to perversity that harms them mentally, emotionally. These things, they're they're wicked for adults to be looking at. Mm -hmm. And we're showing these things to kindergartners Mm -hmm. now. It's a real it's a real issue. I mean, it's it's amazingly perverted. and, And the the interview that we'll get into next week You're going to hear 
a man talk about the the grooming process that that because they work uh, on breaking up pedophile rings, mm-hmm. and the grooming process that he describes that pedophiles use to break down the defenses of children is identical to what is being used in the classroom mm-hmm. to and, to break these children. And that's why it's so scary, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. You don't want to be you don't want to be like these fear mongers. But I think and we're not trying to fear monger anybody. And there are great teachers in the public education system. I will say that. But there are agendas and entities behind the school corporations that are infiltrating and and just pushing and ramming these things into the classrooms. You know, the teachers don't have a say in it either. So I feel just as bad for the teachers. They're just as much victims a lot of the time yeah. than that is like the children. Yeah, we deal with a lot of teachers uh, at, uh, that work in the public education system and they're wonderful people. A lot of them are believers, but they will tell you that there is an epic battle happening right mm-hmm. now because it's not are there bad teachers in there absolutely but by and large the majority of the teachers they just want to go and they want to teach they their hearts are for teaching children mm-hmm. and what's happening is the people at the top this is coming top down mm-hmm. they're 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 being infiltrated at the legislative level and it's being pushed down and they're being forced in many cases to teach these things. And, uh, and you'll hear Diane talk today about the red for ed movement. So the red for ed movement started in Arizona where she was the superintendent of public instruction and she doesn't hold back. She's, she's going to explain to you how they did this Mm -hmm. And it was it was wickedly deceptive, and and she said it's actually pretty brilliant how they pulled this off. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw it spread here to Indiana, and yep. it went to other states too. And it was you can call it what you want. It was a walkout. No, it was a strike. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a teacher's strike. And these things are never what they seem. And Diane is going to. Lay it all out for you. So let's listen into our final segment with Diane Douglas, part four. When I was running for re-election in 2018, uh, that was the year our teachers walked out here in Arizona and they created Red for Ed. And um, actually, it was very interesting. My successor's campaign manager was actually very he was only the manager for a little bit of time, um, but he was very integral in creating the Red for Ed phenomenon and getting the teachers to walk out. And I can't help if it wasn't more of a political ploy than it was anything else. Um, But, you know, I knew in my heart if I had been, and I honestly believe if God had still wanted me to be the superintendent, I would still be the superintendent for Arizona. But it was not his will for me, and now I'm truly beginning to see why it was not his will for me. But I knew in my heart, once those teachers walked out, it would be very hard to work with them for the next four years. Mm because what they did to our children was disgraceful. Arizona is a right to work state. 
Um, the problem was, and I have to say, and I don't know how much you really want to hear exactly about Arizona, but it was really masterful, honestly, what the teachers did. Because before there was any talk of a strike or any talk of walking out on the children, they basically, and I'm not saying in every district, we have a ton of districts, but in a lot of the major districts here in Arizona, the teachers went to the school boards and they said, would you pass a resolution in support of teachers or, you know, make a statement in support of teachers? And they literally got resolutions in some case, whereas they work so hard for our children and whereas they this, that, and the other thing, we support the teachers of this district. So then when they start organizing this walkout and they want to want to strike, and it was a strike. They called it all kinds of other things. They gave it different names so they couldn't be legally held responsible. But it was a walkout and a strike. It was at least a week, maybe 10 days here in Arizona. But then how does a school board who now just maybe a month or two before passed a resolution in support of teachers now say, Teachers, guess what? You're all fired. And the problem here in Arizona is the teacher contracts, they're not state employees. They are employees of the individual districts that they contract with. So the districts would have had to fire them. The state had no authority to fire any teachers. Um, we did have the State Board of Ed had the authority to pull their certifications or even just censure their certification, you know, a, a letter of censure, shame on you, you shouldn't have done that. But they didn't do that. And that was at the behest, I believe, and it wasn't said to me, but our board president was looking into it. And then all of a sudden the effort stopped. I believe our governor put an end to it. But that's one of the things um, you can look at all that John Dewey did in creating the system of education and whatnot, but it's the teachers' unions where they have a lot of power, um, and they don't in Arizona. It's all up to an individual school board how much authority. I think Scottsdale Unified School District Governing Board is voting tonight to give their union what we call meet and confer, which is negotiating power rather than just input as some districts have. Um, one of the very first books I read when I, 30 years ago almost, when I began studying education because of the things that happened with my daughter in her school was um, Samuel Blumenfeld's NEA, The Trojan Horse of Education. And it was so eye-opening to me. And that led to another, led to another, led to another, and made me realize none of these people are on the side of our children. Unfortunately, in my opinion, our government schooling program has become a jobs program for adults. And we see that now, even in a state like ours, where we don't have strong unions and they nonetheless, with no strong union, they still, some 60,000 of them walked out and basically shut down almost every single district in this state, all gathered at the Capitol, walked past the Department of Education, didn't know why I wouldn't come and speak to them. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, but they have a lot of influence. And even now, you know, a year ago, the governor effectively closed down the schools for 
two weeks. We still have districts that don't want to go back, you know, where the teachers are fighting, they want to stay on remote learning. Um, in one local school district up by me, they're down by some 2,000 students. Well, now they lobby the legislature and the governor, give us, even though we have less students, give us higher per, not per diem, it's called ADM, you know, average daily membership here in Arizona, so that we still get the same amount of money, mm -hmm. even though we're educating less children. Yeah. And theoretically, the expenses have gone. When the teachers walked out here in Arizona, that was in April of 2018, the governor had already promised them them a 20% raise. It was called 20 by 2020. So in two over two years, he would increase the funding for teacher salaries 20%. And they still walked out. So, the, and to my knowledge, not one teacher was held accountable for it. And that's in a weak state like this. Can you imagine mm -hmm. in Illinois or New York, New York, New York City, my old uh, stomping grounds of New Jersey? I'm just trying to figure out what is, what's the, what's the real agenda, the real goal? Why, if, if you're getting what you want, and, and here's the thing, here, here's what I, I thought the other day about this. A hypothetical. So people pull their kids. What happens? What happens to the government school system if people start just pulling their kids out? There's less funding for these government public schools. What happens? God willing, the schools, the government schools collapse. Now, I'm, I'm. What I hope to see someday in Arizona is that we have a true voucher. Um, what I would really like to see, but I. I don't know how this could be done because I would love to see a voucher that doesn't go through the government in any way, shape or form, because anytime the government touches money, the government controls what happens with the money. But the problem is, and it's the same everywhere, it's not just the people who have children in school who are paying taxes to support the government school system. Retirees like myself are still paying our taxes to the school system. And so, you know, I'll pick on myself only because I'll pick on myself rather than somebody else. I, to speak for retirees, if the government said we're no longer taking the money from your income tax or your property taxes to support the schools, would we still give that money somewhere? And you can do that here in Arizona. We have school tuition organizations. All the money that the government now takes, I could donate voluntarily to that organization. It could be a scholarship for a child to pay for a private school or whatever it is. But I don't see how you're ever going to how we're ever going to get the government to stop taking the money first. Mm -hmm. But once they take it, then we need to have vouchers. And we have a program like this. We don't refer to it as vouchers here in Arizona. They're called empowerment scholarship accounts. Mm -hmm. And literally it's changed a little bit since I was in office, but when I was in office, the parents whose children were on it and there were only seven or eight categories of children that qualified if their school was rated a D or F in the school grading system, if they were on an IEP or a 504 plan, so a student with a disability, um, active duty military, their children could apply, and there's four, about four or five others that those kids could get. Their parents 
the state, my department, would calculate if your child was in school, you know, if they have a disability, they get extra funding for that. How much of that, you know, would that child get and how much would the government school get in funding for that child? That's what I'm trying to say. And then the parent gets 90% of that and it was given on a debit card. So they could literally take that to a school and say, here, pay my child's tuition for that. Or they could homeschool and buy the supplies they needed. There were certain things that were excluded. You can't go buy new computers for your kids or whatever. You know, there were limitations. But then they have to fill out a report and it was gone over by my staff to make sure that things were appropriately spent. And if every parent was given that, then for what their child's education should be funded at, and then take it to any school you want to. But don't have the child enroll in the school, then we calculate ADM, now we send the money right to the school in the district. Parents, make those educational decisions for your children, but we have to give them the resources to do it. They can't if you look at a property tax bill here in Arizona, 60% of the property tax goes to the local school district. When you take that amount of money away from the parent and you take income tax away that goes to the general fund and you tax them sales tax, of course they don't have money to pay for tuition for private school. So they need to either have some kind of school tuition organization or Hopefully, I hope that's what comes out of this crisis, this COVID crisis we've been in for the last year, that our schools, that parents will stop taking their children back. They threw your kids out in 2018 for a strike, parents, and they threw them out in 2020 for the COVID, and they're still only, some schools are very open, other schools aren't. The districts that are open, your kid's not allowed in if they're not wearing a mask on their face. That's child abuse to make a child do that. I mean, that I, I can't, I, that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful I'm no longer the superintendent. I would never go out in public and say, parents, put a mask on your child to send them to school. But if we can get the money into the hands of the parents, and you know what? If we give that money to the parents, whether it's in a... Um, you know, a debit card, or now they use a thing called Class Wallet. I don't know how that's working out for the parents. I hear a lot of concerns about that, that it's not working that well. But if it can pay tuition, and that parent wants to take that card to a government school and pay a tuition to them, so be it. That's that parent's choice. I will guarantee you there's probably about half, 40 to 45% of the population that probably believes that government schools are being run exactly the way they should be, and they have no problem with their children being sexualized or being taught that understanding real math is racist, and they think that's a good thing, and they'd probably keep sending their children there. But for those parents who realize how it is literally taking away their children's future, they need to have another alternative. You know, God won't take it off my heart. Yeah. I'm thankful I'm not superintendent anymore, but I, I just, I can't do that. I can't support the system anymore, yeah. whatever I can do. And, you know, I used to, for the better part of 30 years, whether it was on the school board or a PTA or whatever it was, site council, I mean, I always stayed involved because I always looked at it. We have, well, here in Arizona, 
I mean, really, because charter schools are government schools. They're just run by a vendor. It's, you know, you know how charter schools yeah. work. Um, but they're still government schools. So really, only about 10% of our students, K through 12, are in true private schools. I'm not even sure it's that high, but it might be about push that between home school and private school. So I think, you know, we have 90% of our kids are in some form of government schooling. If we give up on those children and we don't fix this system, we're gonna lose our country. And I can't abide that. I'm so blessed that I live in the greatest country on God's green earth. And that somewhere, somehow, different parts of my family chose to immigrate here. I'm so blessed by that. And I'd say, if we give up on them, we're losing our country. Well, since being superintendent, I am now of the proverb, I don't know if it's a proverb or the fable of the starfish. I'm gonna save that one. I, I don't care if there's a million of them here. If I can only save 10 or 20 by throwing them back into a good system, then so be it, God. I will save them. And, you know, someday I may have to stand before him and tell him I lost, but I will never tell him that I quit. Thank you guys so much for sticking around to the end and wanting to be informed and wanting to be educated on these things like we are. I mean, together, we can all make a difference and you can help make a difference and help us with our new project, The Mind Polluters, in which Diane will be a part of by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. And there you can visit our new movie, Inwood Drive and um, help donate to this film to help support our efforts in getting this film done. And you want to make sure to tune in again next week because we're going to bring you an interview with Craig the Sawman Sawyer, mm -hmm. who is also someone that we interviewed for the film while we were out in Arizona. And uh, Craig Sawyer is former uh, Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6 sniper, um, when he got out of Navy SEALs, he was, uh, worked in federal counterterrorism. Um, he has also been a federal air marshal. After that, he started an organization called Veterans for Child Rescue, and their entire mission is to aid law enforcement in taking down pedophile rings. And in order for you to understand Craig and where he's coming from, I'm going to give you some homework for the weekend. You really need to go and watch the movie Contraland, C-O-N-T-R-A-L-A-N-D. It's available for free on YouTube. It's a free title. It's mm -hmm. if you go to contralandmovie.com, it's got links to three or four different places where you can watch it, but mm -hmm. you can watch it for free on all of those. It's about an hour 45, mm -hmm. I think. And, um, you you're gonna you're gonna have to prepare yourself because it is it is full of things that are going to shock you mm -hmm. and then join us again on tuesday if we're going to start talking to craig all right thank you guys so much for joining us have a wonderfully blessed weekend and we will talk to you again next week <laughs>